Welcome to a well-played podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today we have a returning guest for episode 125, kind of a fun benchmark number there. And this is somebody that has been on recently, but just what a great guy. I'm excited to have Mr. Paul Yenny uh, with us. His Twitter handle is kind of that. Mixed around a little bit. It's at Mr. <laughs> Yenny Paul. And uh, welcome back, Paul. For those that didn't catch the previous episode with you, uh, can you give us a just brief introduction of yourself? Thanks. Absolutely. Um, I am a fifth grade teacher in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is my second full year in the classroom. And it's my first full year gamifying after dabbling in it uh, with a unit last year. And so... I am the big theme of my episode last time was I'm trying to get started teaching the way I want to teach moving forward. And as a gamer myself, um, this really spoke to me and I really am having a lot of fun and feeling the creativity that I think I wanted to feel when I decided, hey, I want to teach. I'm finally starting to feel that on top of all the content stuff. And that's that's where I'm at. I love it. Um, one, I am right there with you. I love, I got into teaching for, I mean, obviously like helping kids, making a difference, all those things, maybe a little bit of uh, having summers off, right? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, another piece that I got into gamification for, or into teaching for, was that creativity. It was like, I got excited to like design sort of lessons and design experiences. And when I got in teaching, that wasn't as big of a piece as I thought. I mean, there there is a lot of like, here's this canned curriculum, or here's the district's goals or expectations, or here's your whole fifth grade team's expectations or what we're going to do. And so then all of a sudden it's like, well, what I, I really wanted to create. Um, exactly. And what I love about gamification is there, there truly is an infinite amount, and I don't want to freak anybody out. You don't have to go that far. But the point is there is infinite amount of creativity. You could always be adding a new mechanic, having two mechanics play together a little different, have a little like crazy uh, you know, surprise that pops up with your students. So even once your game is sort of set and on the rails, much like the district curriculum and all those other things, it's your game. Like it doesn't have to be set on rails. You could all of a sudden twist it and turn it and all the rules turn upside down. And so I, I agree. I really love sort of the creativity that comes with this. And I love that it's resonating with you and you know, you're kind of excited to go do this. I think it's awesome. You're doing it as a second year teacher because right. Everybody that's listening, if, if you're a veteran teacher, we don't have to spend as much time on the like day-to-day stuff. That's the kind of stuff that we kind of know. And it frees us up to do some of the other leadership opportunities in school districts. You know, like So I'm not saying we're just sitting there, but maybe some people start joining committees. Maybe some of you are coaches or whatever. But another thing you can do is kind of double down on designing on top of the things that you now no longer have to spend as much time. And here's Paul spending the time on the lesson planning and all this other <laughs> stuff because he's brand new. And he's choosing to add this layer. I mean, kudos to you, Paul. That's that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And it's one of those things, after dipping your toe in it, I can't go back. Because just seeing how the kids react to it, it's it just doesn't feel the same. 
Yeah, like I am sort of the same way. We're both. So the the, the nature of this episode is kind of like launching the game and getting started because Paul has started his year. I am starting it. Well, actually, the day this episode comes out will be my first day. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's kind of fun to <laughs> think about. Uh, but just like Paul's saying, like he can't sort of go back. You can't. Like once you open this box and see all the like riches inside it, you you can't just sort of close that up and put it on the shelf and say like maybe I'll use that someday. Like man, you got to use it. So much like Paul, I get into my game pretty close yeah. to the first day. It's either the first day or the second day because I can't even like understand teaching without <laughs> this like game layer anymore. So I have to kind of get into it right away. Just to jump in um, with how I kind of did it this year. Um, I decided I wasn't quite ready to like hit them with game stuff first thing, uh, first morning. So we spent that first day kind of doing the normal get to know you. Here's the routines. Here's what fifth grade is like. And then I did a breakout EDU in the afternoon that culminated at the very end of the day. The last thing they got from me was when they opened the box, there was a letter from the director of the Legion of Superheroes letting them know they had been accepted to training and that their training began tomorrow and then goodbye go home. And they, of course, were like, what? What? I, what do you mean? What is that even? Why? And, and I just kind of let it sit until the next day. And we, they came back and I said, okay, training starts. And what this means is we have a classroom game. This is our game. And that's when I laid out, okay, here are the rules. Here's this stuff. And the whole second day was what I call training camp, which was just a list of eight or so activities. Some of them things they would have to do anyway, like log on to Schoology and log on to Google Classroom. But then there was stuff like read the game rules and read some of the expectations and come up with your superhero name and your avatar and all that kind of stuff. And the whole day was just kind of spent with them independent working and coming up with that. And it really gave me some good things to see, okay, which kids are really comfortable with game mechanics, which kids are comfortable with the technology and the Google Classroom and that. It even gave me a brief little writing sample for all the kids. I didn't even think about that beforehand until I was looking through and going, oh, this kid knows how to use periods and this kid knows how to capitalize. And so it was a really cool kind of thing. And none of them balked at any of it. None of them said like, oh, I don't want to write right now. It was, no, I want to get this done. I want to write my origin story really quickly. I need to get this done so that I am a part of this game. And yeah. that was a really cool experience to just kind of set them free and know that they were all going to complete what I asked them to do because they wanted to be part of this. They wanted their unique avatar they wanted their superhero they wanted to defend our city so that was that was a really cool kind of start where i didn't have to give them too much i didn't have to lay out my whole game i just kind of said here we go i well you, you shared quite a bit there i mean that's awesome like uh, yes <laughs> so to, to sort of talk about some of that one i mean i guess i'll go in reverse as far as i can remember it that I love the enthusiasm, right? Like kids were jazzed to do this. They're fired up and they're willing to tackle the challenges to to begin, to like to be part of this adventure. So that's that's pretty fun and exciting. I love your aha moment 
that happens more often than you think. Like if you start to just pay attention to what's happening around you in the game, there's all sorts of little data points, little anecdotal things that'll help you as a teacher. Like you'll start to know what a kid loves, you'll start to know some of their talents. And I swear, once you know those, you'll sit down to write your next lesson plan, you'll sit down to write your next project, and you'll start to think, what's like, hey, that one kid was really good at, you know, like art. Is there a way I could like have an art component in this? But you only sort of knew that about that kid because of the game. And that's, I don't know, that's mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty exciting to me. Uh, and I love that like you, you tied it into a breakout. You had them kind of fired up about like working together. And you obviously, with any breakout, you get all sorts of sort of data points there to see like who's your leaders, who's, <laughs> yes. your, like, who's the ones that stick with it or who's the ones that are like, whatever, they're going to solve it. Um, but then that's so cool that like these two experiences sort of connected with they unlocked the game and then it like invited them into the next game, basically. Yes. Um, the scary thing was the scary thing for me and, and I dumbed down my normal beginning of the year breakout was what if they don't break out? <laughs> yeah. And then how do we how do we introduce this game that way? But luckily they they did it. They yeah. were they were on top of it. They actually did it faster than I wanted them to, but um, probably but yeah, smart was, though that you dialed fantastic. it back a little bit. You know, just yes. we gotta we gotta make sure they get in. So yes, what was I mean? You sort of touched upon this, but for other teachers that are thinking about launching a gamified lesson unit classroom, and I know not everybody's gonna listen to this at the start of the school year. Somebody's catching this in, around Christmas time right now, but if they're thinking yes. about like, hey. Two units from now, I want to gamify that whole unit. What would you say in your experience, in your students' experience? What what is it like a, a key step in terms of the rollout? Like you already have it planned now, like you've done that, you've done that work, but now like what's advice you have for, hey, I'm gonna do this on Monday. How do I you know, like how do you do it? Here's the biggest thing for me that helped me and then I think it it helped my students too and that was realizing that I don't have to have this completely done and ready for the rollout. I don't need to have my game done to be able to explain to them. Yes. I just need to know how we're going to start. And like I said, I gave them that mystery. I was still planning my my training camp Monday night or I guess it was Wednesday night. But the kids didn't know that. All I said was, we're doing training camp tomorrow. We're starting a game. Goodbye. And so you don't. You can use that mystery, and the mystery not only hooks them in and gets them a little more excited, it also gives you some time to go, okay, I've done this. I'm moving ahead. Now what pieces can I add? What, what kind of stuff do I need to do? And just n- making sure that you don't have to have everything there. You can have as much as you need or as little as you need to get it rolling. Um, and then I think the other part is just start slow, just start slow enough for the kids to latch on to a little piece at a time. Um, I only started with XP and items. That's the only thing I started with. So the kids weren't overwhelmed by, and part of it's because I teach elementary. I have to, I, I have to get it really simple to start with. And none of these kids have a gamified background. So just start simple 
start simple for your comfort and for their comfort of I only have these two mechanics, but that's okay because I'm going to build in some a little bit at a time. I love it. Uh, that's really good advice. Uh, my favorite is the, you don't have to have it all done. I mean, I, I have said it time and time again, like you, you need like some broad strokes. You need a theme. Maybe you need a villain. Maybe you need something like that. They're trying to overcome just some context to the game. Cause like a game is ultimately a story. And a, if you follow that hero's journey of a story, like there has to be some sort of conflict, some sort of thing that's happening. Uh, but I mean, that's it. Like when I started, I didn't have, I didn't have the end in mind. I didn't have like every single, like, well, this is what rank you're going to be. If you're the next step or the next step. I mean, like I didn't have any, it's like <laughs> for me, I mean, like I had three items and I knew they were going to get XP <laughs> and I knew my yeah. theme that I was in a medieval like time period and the King's dead, like, and their houses, like that's, that's it. That's all I got, you know? Well, and, and being able to tell the kids who ask what's coming next and go, oh, you're going to be so excited about that. And just being able to leave it at that. Yeah, I'll leave it a mystery. I also love the, like, I always joke with them a little bit, like, what do you think's next? And jot that down a little bit, you know? And then some of them, <laughs> yeah. some of them come up with really sweet things. And maybe just to spice up, maybe it's not the next thing, but maybe I'll make it like the third thing. And they're like, I, I knew yeah. it. And you're like, yeah, that was good. You were, whoo, you knew it. You're reading my mind, kid. So that's, that's, that's a fun one. I mean, truly everyone that's listening, I, I, I think it's so fun to involve students. Um, I know there are some people that literally like let the students design the whole game. I can't bring myself to do that. And I kind of want to go on record here why I can't do it. It is entirely a personal reason. It's entirely like how I'm built. I love surprises. Like, yes. so if, if the kids designed everything, then they would know, like, yeah, next unit, we're going to be in space shuttles, and those space shuttles are going to be going out. Like, eh, I want to sit at home, think they're going to go on space shuttles, design that, and then roll out, like, ba-boom, hey, welcome to the NASA training center. We are astronauts going to... Um, but that's not to say that I don't let students have input in the game. I love right. talking about, like, items and power-ups with them. Because they're, I always say to myself, they're the only ones that have ever played my game. I've designed it, but I don't know what it feels like to be a player. And a right. player, a player of my game, can tell me those like sticky points, and they can tell me those like, oh, I really wish I would have like a little cheat so that I could do this thing that you don't let us do. And a lot of times, nine out of ten times, I'm like, I don't care about that cheat. It's not about the grades. It's not about the like project. It's like a cheat in the game. They wish they could move their piece a little further. They wish they could get their avatar back a little faster. Like whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's that's a really good item idea. Now I just have to come up with like a good like medieval sort of name for it, you know. But mm-hmm. that's it. So that's where I involve my students. But I know there are some that design the whole thing together. But I just I can't. I love surprises. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. Speaking of surprises, I actually yeah. have have my fun story that has kind of unfolded on Twitter about my first Easter egg. Love it. Um, this uh, this week, I thought, okay, we're gonna start. I'm not gonna roll out side quests for them. They're gonna find an 
Easter egg that unlocks all the side quests, and this is going to be great, and it's going to be really simple. So I had my symbol for the the superhero league, and I told them the first day, look for this symbol around the school because if you find it, you're going to want to you're going to want to do something with it. So I printed out a QR code and put that symbol next to it and put it right in the front of my classroom, right at kid eye level, and it was as obvious as I could make it. <laughs> and it sat there, and it sat there. And day one, it. every once in a while, someone would move a chair in front of it. So I would pretend to be clean in that part of the room, and I'd just move the chair out of the way and walk away. And it was there. And, and for four days, I kept posting on Twitter, here's a picture of my kids working right in front of the Easter egg, not saying a thing. <laughs> and, and, and I really started to worry because I was like, I really want to roll out this side quest because the side quest I want them to be able to do before we start our next social studies unit. Yeah, I want them to be able to do this before we're doing the stock market game. And this is kind of a a hey, if if you want to go home and do your own stock market research and come and talk to us about this is what the stock market is as kind of a pre lesson presentation. Why don't you do this? And I was getting antsy and people on Twitter kept saying, just leave it. They'll find it. They'll be excited about it. Just leave it. And about a half hour before the day ended on Friday my shyest, quietest girl came up to me and just kind of said, what's that? And I said, well, did you notice there's a QR code on there? And she said, yeah. And I said, you have that on your iPad. And she asked, can you show me how to get on there? And I said, absolutely. And so I showed her how to do that. And she signed in. She found it. She got the bonus for finding it. And then I stopped the whole class and I said, hey, we have a side quest. And she found it. And the kids, I thought, would jump up and with joy and be excited and they were furious and i said why are you guys mad and they said well i saw it i've seen it since tuesday that's been up since tuesday i saw it and i said well why didn't you scan it why didn't you ask me about it and they're like well we didn't want to get in trouble or we thought we should know what it was already and we didn't want you to say anything or we just figured it was part of the room and so as it kind of calmed down, we had this really good conversation about risk-taking. And look, she came up and took a risk. And she tapped me and said, hey, what's this thing? And I know none of you scanned it because the first thing it says when you scan it is, you've just won 150 XP or an item. It's your choice. And and it was a really cool thing for them to kind of realize, oh, I'm going to have to push some boundaries. Um, yes. and, and part of part of the learning of me being a second year teacher is I designed this Easter egg for last year's class without me knowing about it. Last year's class within five minutes would have jumped on it. Even if I'm in the middle of talking and started yelling and going, what's that? What's that? And this year's class I've learned, Oh, they're a lot more kind of hung Reserved. back and, and they don't want to rock the boat and they just want to make sure things are going. And so it was a real good learning experience for both of us to just kind of go, Oh, Okay. This is who you are, and this is what you're expecting, and this is that. This is the expectation here. So, really cool. I think that's, kind of, I think that's yeah. super awesome. That I mean, one, I love the story of like the sort of shyest, quietest person coming up saying like, "What's that?" Uh, but but two, I want. With Easter eggs, I mean, this was really important because, again, it was a little bit like your breakout box. This launches a component of your game. So I know that, like, you were chomping on the bit. But in other Easter eggs that aren't 
so, I don't know, watershed moment. Uh, your Twitter advisees were, were smart in saying, like, just let it be. Uh, so I'm glad you, you, you let it be. And two, I think the conversation you had with your students about risk-taking is one of my favorites about a gamified class. We ask kids, or we want kids, we talk about learning from failure, but but we none of us really changed the design of school. Like failure is very punishing in school. And e- even if you say we're standard-based and they can reassess, that's a lot of work. Like while the rest of the class moves on, you're having them do the like new content and have to go like take the test that they took last time and reassess it and fill out a form for reassess. Like failure is very punishing in school even for i'm even for that good kid that's trying to do it all right uh that's tough so we talk about that we talk about failure we talk about taking risks and learning from failure but we've designed a system in which that's like super punishing and not really great (laughs) for them Mm -hmm. but what i love about a gamified class is it's a rich a risk rich environment in which like there can be all sorts of risks and Ultimately, I think it empowers them because none of the risks hurt. None of the risks, right. like worst case scenario, you were going to say like, oh, that is a side quest, you know, whoever, like I'll just call her Jane. Like that is a side quest, Jane, or that is a, a thing with the symbol on it, Jane. But, you know, it's Friday and we have to wrap up. Can you talk to me Monday? Like that would have been like the worst thing that would have happened from that event, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and Jane would be like, oh, cool. I guess there are certain things in this game that are time-based. And I guess I'll talk to Mr. Yenny on Monday. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to empower her to be like, I need to find some more of these. It's going to empower everyone else to say, I need to find more of these. You know, and uh, as you said, sort of learning sort of the appropriate way to sort of push boundaries. And again, sometimes they're going to push them in a the wrong way, but it's going to produce a really valuable conversation between you and your students. And when I think about your students, your elementary students, by the end of the year, having a year's worth of a risk-rich environment, mm-hmm. I think the level of self-confidence, I guess that's a redundant thing to say that, self-confidence, but uh, the, yeah. you know, the level of confidence that they will have I mean, bar none, I think it's going to be in like the top percentile in the United States. You're like for that age group. Like when you think about it, to have a year-long game in which, in which you're asked to sort of step up to the plate. It's not something your parents can do. They parent can't email you and say, Mr. Yanny, where are some side quests? Like you're yep. just going to write back like they're around campus. Like your kid needs to look around for these things and, and have the confidence when they see it in the library to be like, I think Mr. Yanny wants to check out this book. You know, like. Yeah. So, like, uh, I think that's so great that you had that conversation, and, and it's so empowering for students. And and you're what a week and a half into this game, and look at look yeah. at some of the the like people that are kind of I don't want to say anti gamification, but people that just don't know about it and don't think that they would like it. Mm-hmm. Paul is a week and a half in and we have had stories of students taking a risk. We've had stories of students working together. We've had stories of excitement. You know, we've had stories of him seeing different qualities in his students 
in a way in which the students were engaged. I mean, you could you could test if they're good writers by just saying, here, write me about your summer. But like, it's not going to be the same as what happened. And then also, yep. in a week and a half, Paul himself has said he's enjoyed the creativity and experience. So like, this is a week and a half and we, we've listed five or six great, great things for both him and his students. That's a win. Yeah. And... And now I'm kind now I'm kind of at a crossroads of the beginning of the year is kind of the beginning beginning of the year is coming to a mm-hmm. close and I'm starting to jump into content. And so now I'm at a point where I think I'm ready to start pushing the theme a little bit mm-hmm. because I know the first three days were theme heavy and we're superheroes and we're doing this and then it kind of fell into well, XP is XP, and who wants to earn some XP? And there's no real stuff behind it. So I'm really hoping to, as we get into units, like coming up with villains for them to fight and trying to figure out who the big villain is going to be. And and so that's kind of where my my journey is going. Is how do I how do I really put this theme in? One of the things that that I've been thinking about, especially as I'm communicating with other XP LAP hashtag people on Twitter is I like my theme. I connect with my theme. I'm a big superhero guy, big Batman guy. I'm not a big fantasy guy, but boy is fantasy a lot easier thing to play around in when it comes with theme. Cause there's so much more well-trodden kind of items and, and there's, D and D lore and all that you can tap into and and so it's that's that's my next struggle is how am I going to really put this theme into play in my room? Yeah, so I guess some bits of advice about that. One, Paul's question is on point, uh, and this happens to a lot of teachers where they had the whole summer to plan. They made it like a great intro movie maybe a great first day, second day lesson where kids are drawing flags or whatever for their team and like putting it on their tables or whatever. And then they get to next week and they're just doing their math lesson. And they're like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> and kids are like, well, I thought we were superheroes. Um, and the reality is you're going to have to do the math lesson. Mm-hmm. But, but what Paul's asking for is like, how do we infuse at least a touch of theme to his math lesson. Uh, and it's an important thing to think about. And it's an important thing that we should all be cognizant of. The longer your game goes, it's okay to have a bit of a dry spell. But in the beginning, the more you can do to kind of like, I don't know, front loaded. Think about, think about a book. Like you pick up the book, the first chapter, second chapter, maybe even third chapter, are very descriptive heavy, right? Like, because you've never, you know, if you've never been in Star Wars world before, like if you think about episode four, I'm a Star Wars junkie. I don't know if you've seen Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, of course. All right, so episode four was the first movie of the Star Wars, you know, saga. And if you think about it, one of the reasons George Lucas picked that one, one, he didn't know it was going to be an empire, but supposedly he had the rough outlines of all nine movies. Um or nine stories, I should say. And he chose that one because he felt like it was the it was the best standalone one. Like if you're if we were not going to make any, it is going to introduce you to the characters. It is going to introduce you to the force. You know, it's going to introduce you to some of that lore. It's going to introduce you to the bad guy. 
the hero is going to have to like do something with that bad guy. And there's going to be a little yeah. open-endedness, like bad guy gets away-ish. And, you know, is there another movie? But the same is true for our like class game. You you almost have to like front load quite a bit of theme and quite a bit of these activities in the beginning because that's what's going to, that's the setting in which is going to like be in their head the rest of the year. So Paul's right. Like the more we can kind of add in the beginning and I stress, you don't have to do it every single time, but if we can come up with a few in the beginning to sort of get it down pat that like in my game, we are in the realm of nobles. We are in the, you know, and what does that mean? And like, Oh, like castles, knights, dragons, whatever. Right. And then I can hit a dry spell if I want. Because I've so hammered that in their head that we're in castles. Mm -hmm. So like a week, two weeks, three weeks later, if I want for the first time to like bring back some game activity, they get it. Like, oh, we're in castles. Oh, there's a scroll up on the wall. I bet you that is something to do with the game. Uh, so to answer your question, <laughs> that was a big long <laughs> setup. But to answer your question, I think one, don't overthink it. Like, because mm -hmm. that, that can lead to, I think, like, game designer fatigue if you truly try to make everything like a unique walkthrough kind of experience but think of ways to even just contextualize the work you're doing so even if it was merely a sentence you know like hey you know the today we're in the like superhero uh laboratory where we're trying to develop you know new equipment for like our our superheroes to sort of fight these villains um but we have to engineer this. And so we're going to just sort of yep. pretend your, you know, double digit, triple digit addition problems. I apologize. I don't teach elementary. I don't know. <laughs> like what's the right <laughs> level, but like whatever they're working on, like we're going to say that like each of those, like if we can get enough, like together, the whole class, if we can get 150 problems, correct. Uh, you know, we'll get a chance to like roll a die and like that might unlock like a new item, but that's it. Then, You've yeah. said that. That's like a minute and a half, or maybe you made like a cool little like graphic on your like PowerPoint or whatever, put it on your board. And then you just do your math lesson. All right, guys, here's how you carry the one or whatever, whatever they do nowadays. <laughs> like I know yeah. it's not I know it's not the same. <laughs> uh whatever they do. Um, you know, and then let's say they don't get to 150 correct problems. It's fine. Just say like we'll be going to the laboratory a lot, and I'll write down that you guys got up to 75. Like sweet. Then they're already excited about the next math class in which you are just doing normal math stuff. And you can let that example carry over. So your, your next day's math class, all you have to say is, again, we're in the superhero laboratory. We, we already got like 75 right. Like, do your little mini lesson. And now say like, all right, you know, super scientists like, <laughs> or super engineers, like start, start those math problems again. You know, yeah. but, it, but again, don't, underestimate the power of just that little touch that little context of hey we're at the laboratory and that just means we're doing math problems but yeah. you gave this like little die roll at the end like if you roll a one like if they get to 150 if they roll a one through four something gets invented if they roll like a five i don't know maybe five like nothing gets invented but they keep half their correct problems for the next roll right and maybe yeah. six is like, nope, it was just like you spent a lot of time and the invention didn't work out. You know, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. 
Well, and even when you talk about doing small things, and, and I realized in my math rotations, I'm just calling them, okay, this is your iPad time, this is your math game time, this is your small group time. Nope. Even contextualizing those in terms of you're going to go to, I guess, I, I don't know if I can say casino, but <laughs> probably can't, <laughs> probably should think of another gaming type building, but turning them into buildings and you're going around the city during math. And when you come to see me, you're coming to the mayor's office and you're having a meeting with the mayor. Sure. And doing that kind of thing, just infusing that language, even if it, I'm not throwing in activities, trying to figure out where I can just tweak the language so that it's just a little bit special and not just we have small group time or 100%. I have to go do work. Anytime you can do that. Like some people have asked me on Twitter, like, because I say in, in these kind of podcasts or in some of my YouTube channel shots, I say, you know, we're having a realm day today. And people are like, what is a realm day? Like, that just sounds good. That sounds big. Like, what all goes into a realm day? Realm day is, uh, it, it, it's almost like a history-only study hall. It's a t it's an opportunity for me to, like, reassess some kids. It's like a, it's a time where, like, they need to be engaged in sort of independent work. Mm -hmm. So that it frees me up to either do my actual job job, like, like I said, conference with some kids, hand out some reassessments. And it allows me to do some game-related things. Like, oh, I have like 20 side quests to sort of hand back and give them an item. Mm -hmm. But I need them engaged. They're not going to let me like walk around and give 20 kids items and say, great job, Paul. Here's a sword. Great job. So I came up with this realm day just to give it like a little oomph. Mm -hmm. And they, they get excited when it's realm day. But really what a realm day is, is it's a work period for them to work on history-related only topics like homework, projects and uh, side quests if they're in good standing. If they're not in good standing, they have to be working on the right. like, reassessment yeah. or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it's amazing. Like, it is amazing how much power there is in, in the language that we choose to use. And just simply renaming something is, is huge. Huge. Absolutely. Uh, we, I can't believe it, but we are already like bumping up against time. And I know Paul had some more questions he wanted answered. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to toss it back to Paul and say, do you think you would be willing to come back in like another, like not this next week, but the week after, uh, and if you generate some other questions, maybe that whole episode could be like answering Paul. <laughs> I am loving coming on. I could I would come on every week. This is <laughs> this is so much fun. But um, I'm also looking forward to getting a lot of these to plug plug the Twitter chat. Having a lot of these questions group answered on the Twitter chat on Tuesday night hashtag XPLAP on Perfect. It's, nine thirty it's, central it's, time. And it is happening <laughs> this this week. It's happening tonight because this episode yes. will come out on Tuesday. So. Uh, Paul, before we wrap up, I always love ending with a good reflection time. So here is our reflection time quote. This one comes from St. Francis of Assisi. Start by doing what is necessary, then do what is possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. I love that. Yeah, isn't that good? Ooh, I get chills I, just saying I that. Think, like... I'm gonna I'm gonna need to uh, steal that to do with one of my morning do one of my morning meetings on that one with the kids. But um, yeah, reminds me of exactly what we were talking about about you don't need it all at once. Start with what's necessary. Start with the core your core idea, 
And then the kids will start to build on that. You'll start to build on it. You Half the ideas I had, I thought I had all these great ideas over the summer. And then the kids showed up in front of me and half those ideas went out the door. And I have a thousand new ideas because it, you just you can't feel gamification until you have the kids in front of you doing it. So start with what you need to get done. And then it grows. It becomes what is possible. And then that interplay between you and and the students and their excitement and your excitement, then it gets bigger than you can imagine. And I don't I, know if that's impossible, but it's huge. It's amazing. Yeah, I am not going to waste anybody's time. I echo the exact same thing. I mean, by just getting started, start small, whatever, do what's necessary, give them the information they need, and just build from there, build from there, build from there. And all of a sudden, the thing that you think that has prevented you from doing gamification, or if we were to even widen this, whatever you've wanted to accomplish in your classroom, and you just said, wow, I can't, I, oof, that is big. Well, you don't have to get to big right off the bat. Do what is necessary, then do what is possible, and before you know it, you are doing what you originally defined as impossible. And if the kids have never experienced gamification, the smallest thing is huge for them. They don't realize how small it is because they've, if they've never seen it, this is big. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're so right, right? Like, so, Paul, thank you again for being on. I, it sounds like we're going to line up another episode for Answering Paul. I kind of dig that. That's going to be the title <laughs> of the next one. Uh but uh, as Paul sort of pointed out, XP Lab is getting started back up. We kind of took the summer off a little bit. I was busy with Hive Summit and a few other projects. So we're launching that again tonight. So I hope you join 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. And it is a half an hour chat. So it does go by fast. We got three awesome questions. This week's topic is all about rebooting, sort of. And even if you've never gamified, these questions will be really good. And lots of people are going to be answering that, that you can pull out so many good ideas, activities. Uh, that's what I really love about this chat is it's just really practical. Like it's it's good ideas that you can put in play right away. So and everyone... I, have to say, I have to say right before you say goodbye, just following that hashtag, even when it's not a chat night, has been invaluable to me for finding ideas and finding support. So hashtag XP Lap has been awesome. Love it. Everyone, thank you so much for joining with us, Paul and I, for another week. I absolutely am honored that you guys are letting me be a part of your journey. If you could check out my YouTube channel for all sorts of other great videos that come up with good ideas, good activities. On each video, there is a link down below to ask a question. So if you kind of want to be like Paul and ask me a question, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to build out a YouTube video to answer your question if I can. If it's not a YouTube video, maybe it'll be a Twitter chat, but whatever, we'll get to your question. So that's all I have for today. Everybody enjoy your day and play on.